0: Good morning, everyone. My name's Adam, and I'm one of the directors of K-12. I see some K-12s in the house waving at me. Uh, this is a very exciting morning for us in K-12 ministry here at Lakeland because we get to recognize our graduating high school seniors. Do we have any of them here this morning? Actually, I saw a Melody. Yeah, Melody's here. Great. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off our graduates, and if you're here, you can come and let everybody take a good look at you here on stage. <laughs> did, you pr- did you prepare that two-minute speech that I asked you to? No. Oh, not so much? Okay. No speeches, no speeches. Uh, but they'll come up, and uh, we'll recognize them, and then we'll pray for them. And, uh, yeah, it'll be really fun and exciting. So, our first graduate is Nichelle Christofferson. Is Nichelle here? Yeah, you're here. Oh, yeah, good. Nichelle's here, too. <laughs> Nichelle graduated from Lee Summit North High School, and she is going to be a division, yeah, just come on up. She's going to be a division one gymnast, and she hasn't yet decided on a school, right? Not yet. That's really impressive. Our second graduate is Kayla Garfield. I know that Kayla is not here because Kayla just recently moved to California where she hopes to pursue training in opera, which is also very cool. Our third graduate is Melody Monroe. Come on up, Melody. Melody graduated from Lee Summit North High School and she will be attending Northwest Missouri State in the fall. And our final, last but not least, is Garrett Oster. I don't think Garrett's here today, is he? (laughs) Garrett graduated from Lee Summit West High School, and he will be attending Longview in the fall with hopes to move on to a four-year school and pursue a degree in either structural or mechanical engineering. So yeah, give him a round of applause for our graduates. And uh, let me pray for you guys. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for blessing us here at Lakeland with these students. We thank you for their hearts and their lives. We thank you that we've gotten a chance to be a part of their growth and their journey. Lord, we pray that that journey only starts here, that it would continue all their lives. You would watch over them. You would guide them. Give them your peace, your wisdom, and your love. Lord, help them to grow closer and closer to you each and every day in everything they do. We thank you so much again for these students. It's in the the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we pray. And we all said? Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. to Garrett. Um, we, this is also kind of a, the start of something else new that we're going to be doing here. So I don't know if anyone has heard, but we're, gonna, we're starting construction of the, the youth room upstairs, which is really exciting. <laughs> we're super excited about that. Uh, but because that's going on, it's kind of throwing us off a little bit for doing Fuse. So what we're going to do is actually, I think, it's pretty cool, is you'll see that there are a few students here among us right now a little bit of a change and so about halfway through each service we're gonna dismiss few students to go out and and do stuff do normal few stuff out among the church um, but it's a cool time for the few students to get to come and and see that they're part of the, the the greater church body here together so we're excited about that but now is the time that we're gonna dismiss you so few students and leaders If you go right out those doors, we'll dismiss you now, and you will find signs, your normal grade signs will be out there in the lobby. So you don't have to go upstairs, just out in the lobby. So find your grade, and we'll take it from there. Thanks, guys.
1: Amen. Thanks for coming, guys. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. We are continuing. We started two weeks ago. I studied the book of Ezra in the Old Testament. So we're going to continue in the book of Ezra today. Uh, To understand the book of Ezra, we need a short history lesson, so let's have it. When you read the Old Testament, you are reading about the nation of Israel and how God used them to reveal himself to the world. So in 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon conquered the city of Jerusalem, and that ended Israel. So the Babylonians surrounded Jerusalem, broke through the city wall, Decimated the city, tore the wall down. Uh, Then they tore down God's temple, even ripping out the foundation once they got it down to the foundation. So utterly destroyed. Jerusalem then they took the kings of Israel and the royal families they took the prophets they took the priests and they took anyone else of education or influence as captives they hauled them back to Babylon and spread them out and scattered them out all over the Babylonian Empire so that their children and everything could be reeducated and forget that they were ever Jewish so that living scattered among the Babylonians is called the exile People of Israel lived that way in exile for 70 years. Then in 539 B.C., King Cyrus of Persia conquered the Babylonian Empire and became the new uh, king of all its holdings. And he decided he would let the people of Israel return to Jerusalem and even gave them royal financial aid to rebuild the temple. That return from exile is what the story of Ezra and Nehemiah is all about. So the first thing they do when they get back is they set up again the altar of sacrifice. Now that used to sit inside the temple, but now there's no temple, there's just this bare spot on top of Mount Zion. They just set an altar up in the bare spot. And at that altar, they give, uh, begin making sacrifices to God. And we hear in Ezra chapter three, verse three, this beginning. Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. Then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and each evening. Now they're taking some chances here. They're moving back into an abandoned city that has been abandoned for 70 years. And they have enemies, enemy tribes all around there that don't really want them coming home and reestablishing themselves. They have no defensive walls to keep them out. The temple isn't even there. And they're putting this altar of burnt sacrifices and every morning and evening having a little celebration there just out there in the bare, you know, bareness out in the open. Verse 6 tells us more. Fifteen days before the festival of shelters began, the priests had begun to sacrifice burnt offerings to the Lord. This was even before they had started to lay the foundations to the temple. Now they're celebrating the Feast of Shelters, which is a huge festival in in October on our calendar now. And uh, they're doing this just out in the open. Wouldn't it have made a little sense to attend to some basic safety first? Perhaps to build the walls around the city? Or at least build a little bit of a temple? But no. They're having this party just out on an open rock every morning and evening, and they're about to celebrate a week-long Festival because that's how they did things in Israel. They started with the things of God and worked their way out. Verse 8 talks about how and when they really get going. The construction of the temple of God began in mid spring during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. So it takes them two years after returning to even begin to build the temple. And they're going to build that still without any walls around the city to protect them. Now, how they built the temple is actually quite interesting because they needed some big cedar beams to lay the foundation in. Trees like that don't grow anywhere near Jerusalem. They grow up in Lebanon. So they would have Lebanese foresters take the logs down in Lebanon and then haul them to the coast and drop them in the Mediterranean Ocean. Then they would float them several miles down the coast to the nearest coastline to Israel, which doesn't touch the ocean if you look on a map. Then they would drag the logs out onto land back up Mount Zion to Jerusalem and put them in the foundation of the temple. When they get the foundation laid, they stop and have another party. Verse 10. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, the descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David had prescribed. Wouldn't it have made more sense to wait for all these celebrations until they'd actually finished something significant? because I'll tell you something they don't know because it's hindsight. Once they finish this foundation, the project gets stopped by outsiders. We'll talk about that next week. And they don't get to build anything else on that temple foundation for 20 years. It sits there just like what we're reading today. But it's that celebration just around the foundation that something happens that we're going to focus on today. Verse 12. Many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundations. So at that party, some of the older people, remember no one's been here for 70 years, so these are some older people who remember the old temple. When they see the new foundation, they start crying. Why are they crying? Are they happy? Are they sad? The prophet Haggai was there that day, and the prophet Haggai in the book of Haggai records something that gives us a little insight. Flip over to Haggai chapter 2, verse 3. He says, does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. Uh Uh-oh. They've done all this work, and it's dinky. It's not much. People who can remember the old temple are crying because they can tell this new one isn't going to hold a candle to the old one. For the old people, this is a huge, huge disappointment. Why are they celebrating Have you ever returned to a place that was really special to you and exciting and impressive when you were a kid? And you go back there and you're like, this is a lot smaller than I remember. This is a lot dingier than I remember. Have you ever returned to one of your old childhood homes to show your kids where you grew up and the people have let it turn into like a big dump? You're like, well, when we lived here, it was painted and stuff. You know, it's sad. Remember how disappointed you were when you realized I'll never be able to celebrate this place the way I've been celebrating in my memories all these years again. Did some of you ever miss your old church, the way the worship was, the way the preaching was, the way the, the people were all together? Did some of you miss your college ministry days when when the things of God were in every day and in every moment and everyone was all together. Students, do you miss summer camp? Summer camp, when the air was saturated with God and there wasn't all this distraction and bickering and foolishness. Just every moment was about God at summer camp. Lakelanders, do some of you miss how this church used to be? When five people pulled off children's ministry every Sunday in a movie theater and sweat and died and went out to Jose Peppers every Sunday high five and uh, swap war stories about pulling off church another week in the movie theater. It doesn't make you all just a little disappointed to realize you'll never celebrate community like you had back then. Grandparents, do you miss the way your grandkids used to be? when you'd ring the doorbell and you could hear them squealing with excitement that you had arrived through the door and you'd open the door and they'd run and jump on you about knock you over remember that now when you show up everybody's looking at a screen with headphones on if you get a hey grandma you you count yourself really lucky guys remember when you were in shape Now, if you can run to the mailbox and back without collapsing, you're like, hey, I must be getting something back. That's pretty good. (laughs) What is left to celebrate? Everything degrades, nothing is accomplished. And whatever little progress we make, it pales in comparison to what used to be. The new foundations just aren't what the old temple was. But wait a minute. Wait a minute, there is another sound coming from that celebration on Mount Zion. Not just weeping. Let's read verse 12 again, but let's add verse 13. But many of the older priests, the Levites, and the other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. Others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together into a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. The younger people who were not weighed down with all that memory, they're praising God. And why shouldn't they? They are picking up the law of Moses and they are living it again. Remember, they were all born in Babylon They've never been to this place before. They, for the first time, are in a land that they are from, that is theirs. They are making sacrifices morning and evening at this altar of forgiveness and thanksgiving in a way that in Babylon they only read about. Now they can see it and smell it, the fire and the roasting grain offerings. They are finding their way back to older and wiser ways that were almost forgotten. They are singing old songs in new ways. Verse 11 says, With the praise and thanks they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. That give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love for Israel endures forever. That's a psalm, and they are singing it on Mount Zion. I remember when I became a follower of Jesus, 21 years old. And one of the first things the Spirit moved me to do was to begin to read the bible just start at genesis and read it through i got to leviticus like the rest of you but i didn't crash and burn i kept going because i had this notebook and every chapter of the bible i read i would write a little paragraph uh, what happened in this chapter and what did i just learn about god and and what are some questions i'd love to have answered someday chapter by chapter paragraph by paragraph over those first few years as a follower of Jesus until I filled all these notebooks I did this because I felt like when I had those scriptures in my hand I was finding the lost secret to life and I can remember at this time I was had a lot of older Christians around me saying it's a terrible time to be a Christian, young man. Sorry you're coming at this time. The church used to be better. The nation used to be better. Everything used to be more Christian than it is now. The old temple was fancier. And I remember thinking at 21 years old, Oh, yeah? Yeah? If this old church you're all talking about was so magnificent, how come no one's ever shared these scriptures with me before? (laughs) I went to church most of my childhood, and I don't remember half these passages being opened up and explained to me. That old temple was so much better, was it? Well, if that old temple on Mount Zion was so fantastic, why did the people oppress the poor? and turn and worship other gods? The prophets warned them for 200 years if they didn't turn back to God, he would destroy Jerusalem and that temple and send them into exile. And they didn't turn, did they? The temple was destroyed, and they were sent into exile. If that temple and that worship was so amazing, why did you never share these laws of Moses with these young people before this day? If your old church was so wonderful, guys, why don't you still go there? And that college ministry you miss, wasn't there also a lot of drama going on there that you don't miss? And those summer camp experiences, if they've been a few years, think about it. Haven't some of those people that seemed so on fire for God already wandered? down other paths since summer camp. You loved this church when we met in the movie theater, did you? Do you also remember that if you invited your friend, you had to say a special prayer that a mouse wouldn't run up their leg during the sermon? And that if they sat down, they had more than a 40% chance of coming up with nacho cheese on their pants? Do you remember? Aren't you glad your grandkids aren't still potty training and getting ear infections every month? Right, grandparents, remember every weekend when they'd stay at your house, it seemed like they were sick. Okay, guys, I'll grant you, you were in better shape. But inside that hot bod, wasn't there an immature and frequently stupid brain running the show? I'm reminded of Billy Joel's lyrics. The good old days weren't always good and tomorrow's not as bad as it seems. This passage from Ezra reminds us we have a choice. We can be the ones weeping around the old foundation for what used to be, or we can be the ones celebrating in joy what God is doing that day. We can be grateful for what God is doing when he brings us back and sets up the altar and when we set down the foundation and when we rebuild the city and we rebuild the walls, we can celebrate every step precisely because we don't know how many decades it's going to take to complete each milestone. We should celebrate the one we have today. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. I remember when I was in seminary, one of my seminary professors who was in his 60s came in and he started class this way. He said, I went home last night to my wife of 40 years and I said, honey, let's do something we haven't done in a long time. Let's go out and get in the car and park in the driveway and make out. (laughs) And he told us that she said to him, No, thank you. (laughs) And he asked us, does that mean the fire has gone out, that the love is over and that all we've built, the embers have grown cold? No, he said. It means this love over 40 years has matured, and it has found deep expression in being there day after day for better, for worse, for sickness and in health, dying to ourselves, learning all the idiosyncrasies, the topics to go deep in, the topics to avoid. After 40 years, we've found deeper ways to express this love that blow the doors off anything our 17-year-old selves could achieve steaming up the windows of a car. He told us this story to say, when you first come to God, There's all sorts of experiences that raise the hair on the back of your neck and make you feel excited and make your heart beat fast. And as you go 40 years with God, it doesn't work like that anymore. But now you find deeper expressions of devotion and sacrifice and giving and forgiving. And he says, don't ever think the fire's gone out between you and God because you're not a teenager with him anymore. Celebrate the new foundations Don't weep over the old temple. My grandpa, who as far as I'm concerned is a saint of light who never did anything wrong, did hurt my feelings one time. I was 16 years old. He had driven up from Parsons, Kansas. I I don't remember now if it was when I got my black belt or when I was in a play at the high school, but one of those events he drove up for. I do remember he was sitting at the foot of my bed and I was fiddling with something on the dresser when my grandpa said to me, we used to be good buddies. And I didn't know what to say to that. I said, Grandpa, we're, we're still buddies. He said, no, no, we used to go camping and fishing and we used to do all kinds of stuff. And I remembered at 16 feeling so confused, like... Did I accidentally spend the last seven years abandoning and hurting my grandpa? I just wasn't mature enough to handle what's going on. To realize this is a guy who's weeping for some old foundation. I was just 16. I didn't have the wisdom to say, Grandpa, I am 16 years old. Staying in your little camper with two fold-down cots and fishing just doesn't do it for me anymore. I am certainly too big to sit on the arm of your chair and split a Kit-Kat bar with you. Grandpa. When you have a relationship, grandparents, with a child or a teenager, it's like moving a heavy desk down the stairs. You have to take the heavy end. They're not mature enough to handle all the emotion and guilt and strangeness. You've got to take the heavy end of the relationship. And you have to remember that only for you is time racing by. For kids and teenagers, time crawls by. That's why 11-year-olds will say things like, I remember when I was a kid. Have you ever heard an 11-year-old say that? I remember when I was a kid. That's because to them, those things they did with you lasted for eons and they happened eons ago. Only to you does it seem like it was overnight. So you've got to take the heavy end. It was mostly grandpa's responsibility in this moment to realize he's doing new things. He's driving up because I'm getting a black belt. That's something a toddler can't do. I'm in a play in the high school. These are new foundations and he's showing up for them. He's there for me. This is what makes us buddies now. He could have caught on that I loved American history. I wanted to be a history major in high school. It didn't happen, but I wanted to be. The things I loved and studied in books, he lived. We could have talked for hours about those things. Don't weep for the old foundations. You can't go back to that stuff and really, truth told, you don't want to. Celebrate the new things that are being laid, the new temple that's being built. Our children's ministry now takes 200 people to accomplish on a month. On any given Sunday, 75 volunteers serve all those kids plus some more that just left the sanctuary. 75 people this Sunday. 75 people are not going to Jose Pepper's for a thing of chips and a high five today. That's a banquet. That's not a little dinner. But are we celebrating the new things we couldn't do before? This is not a huge church, but our kids were among the top fundraisers for the 30-hour famine last year, raising money for famine relief. Just a mid-sized church. Yes! You can't do that with five people in a movie theater. Did we celebrate it? I hope so. This spring, our student ministry built a replica of the tabernacle upstairs. Do you remember this? This temple we're talking about. They could walk through it and touch it and hear it and smell it. It was so exciting. We gave away tickets to the adult congregation during the season of Lent to go walk through. You couldn't do that with five people in a movie theater. Are we celebrating the new foundations of what God is doing? When my wife and I were first married, I had student loan debt. And every $1,000 we paid off, we'd celebrate. So every $1,000 we sent to the debt, we'd go spend 50 on dinner and a movie. Hairbrained, but a lot of fun. <laughs> we were debt-free in two years. We remained debt-free for 2001 through four, And then I went back to school to get a master's to become a pastor. So now we have all new student loan debt. Well... Now we're older and wiser. We're not going to go celebrate every $1,000 we pay off. Let's just have one big celebration at the end when we pay the whole thing off. Let's get the walls around the city. Well, that hasn't worked nearly as well. This thing has dragged on and on and on. I graduated seven years ago. I'm still paying for it. We're going to need a new plan. There was something motivating about celebrating the milestones along the way. We're gonna to have to change that plan. When our kids clean their room, right? You tell them to clean the room every day and they go in and do something in there. But if you notice, <laughs> a couple times a year, about twice a year, you walk in there and it's actually clean. Like, it's really clean. Like, good job, about twice a year. Can you imagine what they felt the whole time when they look around and realize, oh my goodness, I'm doing it. Like, it's really happening. When mom and dad walk in this room, they're gonna go, I can't believe it. I bet they'll take me out to ice cream. This room looks so amazing. And so we walked in and what did we say? Why can't you do it this way all the time? (sighs) Hey, I wasn't the only one who said that. No wonder they don't try to please us anymore. It's impossible. Even when they do it right, they're in trouble because they didn't do it right yesterday. We've got to celebrate the foundation that's laid today. Look at this room. This is worth a single scoop on a waffle cone. If ever I have seen a room worth a single scoop on a waffle cone, let's go. Who knows? That might even get it clean next week. Maybe. Here's hoping. All right. Celebrate what you have as you go. Our Anapra community here uh, provides rice and beans for 40 families in Mexico. 40 families are eating one good meal a day year-round because of Anapra and Fearless. And I have heard some people say, 40 families? Do you know how many people are starving in the world? That's not a drop in the ocean. What kind of thinking is that? Why not celebrate that 40 families are eating today and tomorrow and the next day? And when our kids want to be baptized and they want to take communion and they're excited about those things, sometimes their parents will say to me, I don't think they get it. I don't think they understand the gravity of their sin. I don't think they understand the greatness of what Jesus has done on the cross for them. I don't think they're ready for baptism because I don't think they get it. And I always say to that, Neither do I. And truth told, neither do you. You don't really think you understand the full gravity of your sin, do you? We don't really understand the full glory of Christ and his forgiveness on the cross, do we? We sing a song here on some Sundays that says, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon the cross. That's probably the truest words we say. So if your kids have stuck their head up and say, I want to be baptized. I want to take a step toward God. I want to be a part of the church. I want to live with him forever or be his friend. Or, you know, I want to do what you're doing, mom and dad. Let them and celebrate. Because you and I should know, because we're carrying the heavy end of the desk on this, they have the rest of their life to figure out The gravity of their sin and the enormity and the wonder of Christ's forgiveness we're all still learning and little by little this discipline of celebration isn't that sad that we have to discipline ourselves to celebrate but every Christian writer who writes on spiritual disciplines writes about the discipline of celebration and the discipline of celebration when we practice it makes us more grateful people Instead of weeping for the old foundations, we are celebrating what God is doing every day. And when the next person, new person, comes through those doors and they're hurt or they're searching for God or they're confused or they just want to have a spiritual question, what do you think will draw them down front? The sound of a bunch of Christians moaning over old foundations and how things used to be better? Are the sounds of praise and joy of people saying, Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. We can celebrate every step of the way, every stage of life, every church we've been a part of and what it gave us, every ministry we've been a part of in the church and what it gave us. We can be a people of joy and a people of praise. Praise. Because this is what happened in Israel. They came home and they threw a party. They built an altar and they threw a party. And they laid a foundation and they threw a party. And they built a temple and they partied. And they built a wall and they partied. And they lived there with some ups and downs for another 500 years. And then the Messiah, Jesus, came to them. And some people got him and recognized him and some people didn't. And Jesus gave us a little hint in the type of heart that's more likely to recognize Him or miss Him, when Jesus one day said these words, I played the flute for you and you didn't dance. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. So the practice for our sermon today, and I really would encourage everyone to do this, is to find something today to celebrate and celebrate it. A clean room. Starting to clean out the garage. Put two items in the trash. Whoo! Let's celebrate the inaugural celebration of the cleaning of the garage. A hundred dollars paid on a debt. Another week of sobriety. Find something today to celebrate. Fathers seems easy pickings today. Something to celebrate today, and go celebrate it. So I invite you now to take out your phones. I know some of you have had out your phones since Ezra verse 11. You've been playing Flappy Birds, but now now you have permission to have your phones out. And uh, we're going to sing a song based on that song they were singing on Mount Zion. And as we do, you can text to that number. And make the first word of your text rejoice. That will not show up, but that will let what you type after the word rejoice show up on these screens. And you can tell us what it is you're celebrating today, the great and the small, and we will celebrate with you as we sing, give thanks to the Lord, our God and King, his steadfast love and mercy for Israel endures forever. So let us stand together in praise and celebration of the new foundations that God has laid this day. Amen? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven...